Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. We are uh, we are one chapter down, a couple more to go. Um, we are continuing on our series through the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, following along with Solomon as he is searching for meaning, purpose, and value in life. As he's looking for these things under the sun. Again, that's what we're calling the series under the sun because that's a, a phrase under the sun, under heaven. That's a phrase that's repeated often in the book of Ecclesiastes because that's where Solomon is looking for meaning, purpose, and value. He's looking at our world and saying, where can we find these things? And I, I feel the need to continually remind you guys and preface up front, I recognize the fact that the book of Ecclesiastes is depressing, <laughs> right? Like it is a, a somber read as Solomon is is pursuing these things as he's looking for meaning, purpose, and value in the world. He keeps repeating the phrase, vanity of vanities, all is vanity, this, this whole idea that it's just empty, that the things he is seeing, uh, they are all empty and worthless and valueless, that he has not found meaning, purpose, and value in life. Like, it, it is a depressing read, <laughs> and as we are going along, we'll see that. I was talking to a, a pastor in our area, you know, we're chatting, and he asked, uh, he goes, what are, you, what are you preaching over? And I said, well, I'm uh, just actually just started the book of Ecclesiastes. He said, on purpose? <laughs> I said, yeah, you know, that was uh, intentional. Um, and so uh, we'll see if, if I can uh, survive it, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but we are going through it. Uh, and so Ecclesiastes chapter 2 <laughs> is where we're going to be this morning, starting in verse 1. Ecclesiastes 2, starting in verse 1, it says this. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure, enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil that I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity, and a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Let me pray for us. We'll get into the word this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. The happy parts of it, the somber parts of it, uh, God, I thank you that your word challenges us. God, that your word confronts our way of thinking, our, your word confronts our, our thoughts about you, our thoughts about the world, it confronts our actions, our behaviors, God, it confronts the way that we view reality and the way that we live in life, God, it confronts these things, and God, you convict us of sin, you, you lay bare all of our thoughts and emotions and feelings out before us, God, and you, you call us to lift those things up to you, God, we, you call us to to. to, to to lift up our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, our actions, to, to lift them up to you, God, to be conformed to the image of Jesus. So I pray, Father, this morning as we get into your word, God, that you would conform us to the image of Christ. 
God, that we would have ears to hear what you're saying to us and a heart that's ready to apply it so that we collectively would look more like Jesus. And God, I pray that that as we go through those doors, God, that we would leave here better than when we came, that we would leave here closer to you, leave here with a better understanding of you, leave here looking more like you because of our time in the word this morning. Father, we love you and praise you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Now, this may not be a surprise to any of you, but we live in a world that is obsessed with happiness, right? We live in a world that is obsessed with pleasure. It is our goal for many people to, to go find and to do whatever makes us happy, right? That's what we're, we're looking for. We, we look for things to make us happy, and we cheer on other people when they do things that make themselves happy, right? That, that seems to be the, the only justification we need to give for doing something in life, right? Well, I'm doing this because it makes me happy, and that's enough for everyone to say, oh, good for you, you know? Like, good, go, ma- go do what makes you happy, right? Even our own constitution, I mean, excuse me, not constitution, our own declaration of independence says that all human beings have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yes. Like, and Americans have taken that to heart, right? Like we, we love to be happy. We love to find pleasure and enjoyment in the world. It, it has become a, a major goal and the major goal for many people in this life. Where can we find pleasure? Where can we find happiness? Where can we find enjoyment? I want to find and do the things that make me happy. That becomes the goal of life, right? I uh, was talking to a friend of mine. He's in the corporate world now, and uh, he, he's working a job that he loves. He's doing something that he enjoys. But, uh, but I was talking to him years ago, and he was telling me his long-term plan. His long-term plan was to get the highest-paying job he could, a, a job that he, did, that he, would, like, he didn't mind going to. He didn't want to hate his job, but he wanted to, to find the highest-paying job he could, invest his money wisely in real estate and in stocks so that he can retire early, make a lot of passive income, and, and, and do the things that he actually wants to do, right? Go find what makes him happy. Go travel the world, go do this, go do that, to do things that, that he thought would make him happy. So his whole goal was to, to work really hard, make a lot of money so he could retire early and do things that brought him joy, do things that brought him happiness and pleasure, right? It's a great goal, but it's a goal with the ultimate end where, where his job is just a money-making means to the end of finding and doing something that made him happy. And we all know people like that. And, and if we look at our lives, we would be honest and say that a lot of the things that we do, a lot of the things that we try, a lot of our behaviors are, are driven by us looking for things that will make us happy, things that will find pleasure, things that will find enjoyment. And that makes sense because it's in the name, right? Pleasure, enjoyment, happiness. We want those things. Nobody wants to go through life sad and depressed, right? Nobody wants to go through life with with difficult moments, Every, all of us would much prefer pleasure and enjoyment and happiness to, to sadness and brokenness and sorrow, right? So we, there's nothing wrong with naturally wanting to seek satisfaction, to naturally wanting to seek pleasure, happiness, and joy. And so that's, that's the pursuit for a lot of us. And that's the pursuit for a lot of people in the world, and if not <laughs> uh, pretty much everybody in the world. What makes me happy? Trying to find and do something that I enjoy. Solomon looks at this as he's trying to find meaning, value, and life in our world, he looks at this and sees that so many of us are seeking meaning, value, and purpose in, the, in happiness, in pleasure, in satisfaction. We've already talked the last couple of weeks about how Solomon says there's no ultimate meaning, purpose, and value in our work. There's no ultimate meaning, purpose, and value in wisdom. Like that all those things are ultimately empty. If we're just looking under the sun, none of those things last forever. None of those things are going to matter forever. And so, so he's looking at life and he's saying, well, a lot of people just want to be happy. 
A lot of people want to find what pleases them. They want to find enjoyment. And so maybe there's, there's some value there. Maybe there's some meaning and purpose in finding and doing something that you love, that makes you happy, that brings you joy. And so that's what he's seeking here in Ecclesiastes 2. And we see in verse 1, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. What he's looking for, where he's looking for meaning, purpose, and value here at the beginning of chapter 2 is pleasure. And this is what I hope that we'll see this morning as we discuss Solomon's conclusions. If you make finding pleasure your goal, you will find pleasure and nothing more. If you make that your goal, if that's the thing in your life that you are searching after and seeking, if you make that your goal, you will succeed in finding it, but you will not get any further. But if you make knowing God your goal, you'll also know greater pleasure than you would from anything in the world. If you make knowing God your goal, if that becomes the goal of your life, not only will you succeed in knowing God and having a relationship with him, not only will, you, will that benefit you, but you will also know greater pleasure than you can find from the things of the world. So as usual, we'll begin this, uh, this sermon looking at what Solomon concludes as he is going on this journey, what this under-the-sun perspective of where there's meaning, purpose, and value in life. And as Solomon is looking at pleasure, as Solomon is searching through the things that people find enjoyable, as he's looking at those things for meaning, purpose, and value, he comes to one conclusion. Pleasure is real, but empty. Pleasure is real, but it's ultimately empty. Look with me in verse 1. Come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? Like Solomon is the ultimate killjoy, right? I mean, he, if Debbie Downer was a historical figure, like it's Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes. I can, like he, he has already reigned on our parade as we're looking at our work, as we're looking at what we learn. He's looking at those things and saying, ultimately, it's not going to matter in the end. I'm like, well, that stinks, you know, but, but at least I can have a good time. And Solomon says, well, you know, I, you can, but that also is not going to matter in the end. Like, like, he is just raining on everybody's parade. Like, the, the things that make us happy, the pleasure, happiness, enjoyment, he's looking at all of those things and saying, eh, what's the point? What's the, like, I can picture Solomon at a college party just sitting there in the corner saying, like, this, there's nothing here. Now, everyone around him is having a good time, and he's just talking to other people like, you guys are going to die one day, you know that? Like, he's just, a, just an ultimate major downer. But that's, he's looking, for, he's looking at the things of the world for pleasure, and he's, he's trying to see if there's anything there. And, and in all honesty, it's not, he's, not, uh, he's not missing out on meaning, purpose, and value and pleasure for a lack of trying. Solomon, when he says he's going to test himself with pleasure, he's going to try the things that the world looks to for enjoyment and happiness, like he goes all in on that. He tries the things that the world looks to for pleasure. Let's take a second and let's look at the things that Solomon tried to find pleasure in. Let's look at the things he tried to find meaning, purpose, and value in. Verse 3, the first thing that Solomon tried was alcohol. I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. So Solomon says, all right, there are a lot of people that seem to be getting pleasure, enjoyment, uh, happiness from alcohol. 
So I'm going to try it. Right? There are people that love a good drink. Right? People that love the, the taste, the flavor, the experience of a, of a good glass of wine, of a good, uh, of a good cocktail. Like people like a good drink. And so he, he, tries the, he tries alcohol. He tries a good drink. And not only that, like there are not only people that, that love a good drink, but there are people that love the experience of getting drunk. Right? It's not just about the, dr- the drink itself, but it's the experience of, of having your mi- uh, mental state altered and, and being completely, uh, completely drunk. Right? That is something that people do because they want to, to enjoy it. They think it'll be fun. They think it'll be enjoyable. They think it'll be pleasant. And so they, they pursue drinking too much intentionally. There's a, a, f- uh, a friend of mine I looked up to growing up, uh, and he moved away, and he became a sommelier. Uh, and if you're not familiar with what a, uh, a sommelier is, it's a wine expert. And, and so he, he's worked at restaurants, helping to, to pair wines with uh, dinner menu items. He's, uh, he's worked uh, at wine tasting uh, venues to, to, uh, for, for wine tasting. He is an expert in wine. He did that because he gets satisfaction, he gets enjoyment and pleasure out of a good glass of wine. That's something he enjoys, right? You don't become a sommelier if you hate wine. Right? That's not, that's not usually something someone does. He enjoys a good glass of wine, and so that's why he became a sommelier. Right? That he is someone who gets pleasure from alcohol. I also knew a guy one time when I was in college. I was over at a friend's house, and we were watching uh, a UFC fight. Uh, and there was one of his roommate's friends. Uh, he came over, and he had the cheapest bottle of wine he could possibly have. Like He, he stopped on the way and, got, and went and got the cheapest thing he could get. Uh, it was $3 for the whole bottle of wine. And he, he showed up, and the reason he got the cheapest bottle he could find is because his goal was to finish it before the fight was over. Uh, and so he downed the bottle of wine during the fight, and then he went over to the neighbor's house and drank uh, a lot of cheap beers with them. And then he left their house to go who knows where to drink who knows what, right? His goal was not to enjoy the drink, <laughs> right? Like, he didn't buy the cheapest bottle of wine because that's his favorite uh, profile, right? Like, he bought the cheapest bottle of wine because he wanted to enjoy the experience of getting drunk, of having too much, of having the stories of what happened, like, he, the experiences. That's what he was seeking pleasure and enjoyment for. Like, there are people that, that, that seek to be drunk, that, that seek to alter their mental state because they want to get away from things, but there are also people that seek to become drunk because they want to enjoy it, right? And so there are, Solomon's looking out at the world and saying, yeah, there are plenty of people that seem to love alcohol, that seem to love drinks, that seem to love getting drunk. There are plenty of people that do that, so let me go for it. Because I, I am, I said in my heart, I will test my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. There are people who, who seek pleasure in altering their mental state and getting drunk, and Solomon says, all right, let's see what's there. I'm beyond just getting drunk. There are people that, that seek altering their mental state with drugs as well, right? Why, why else would people smoke tobacco and weed? Why else would people, uh, or meth, you know, why else would people uh, shoot up heroin or snort cocaine or, or pop ecstasy? Like, why would people do those things if not to experience pleasure, if not to experience enjoyment, if not to, to seek happiness in those things? Again, there's a, there are a group we talked about last week who do those things to get away to escape the difficult things of life, but a large portion of people that do those things do it because they want to enjoy it, because they, they want to seek pleasure and happiness in those things. So Solomon with alcohol says, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to te- cheer my body with wine. A- and he makes this note here 
Like, I want to lay hold on folly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become drunk, and I'm going to have the drunk stories, right? I'm going to do the things that, that people think give them happiness, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fully embody the experience. Uh, and he has this little note here. Uh, I cheer my body with wine. My heart's still guiding me with wisdom. So, so he's saying, I'm, I'm going to jump into this. Ultimately, uh, I'm still in control. I'm not, it's not, this is not going to consume my life. This is, this is all an experiment. Uh, that's his mentality. Now, I feel the note, I, I feel the need to preface, like Solomon already did the experiment, so you don't need to, <laughs> right? I can picture a, I can picture a college student, uh, you know, justifying, like, oh, I'm going to get wasted at a party tonight, but it's, it's an experiment, like Solomon. I just want to know if there's anything of value there, you know? Uh, it's biblical, <laughs> like, like Solomon did the experiment, we have his conclusions, so you don't need to try it yourself, right? Um, so he sought pleasure, and alcohol, and becoming drunk, and laying hold of folly, till he could see what there, what, what good there was in it. Second thing that he sought pleasure in were buildings and land. Look with me in verse four. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forests of growing trees. So this, these verses, Solomon is, is looking for satisfaction. He's looking for pleasure in, in buildings and in his land. There's a certain amount of pleasure that you get as a homeowner with your home. Like when you purchase a home, there's a certain amount of pleasure. This is my place, right? This, this belongs to me, or at least the bank for now, you know? Like this, this, this is my place. These are, these are, this is my kitchen. This is, this is my bedroom. This is my living room. This, I, there's a certain amount of pleasure that you get from owning a, a, a place, owning a home, owning a place that is yours, a building that you can call yours, right? You don't do that if there's not a little bit of pleasure there, if there's not a little bit of happiness in owning this little piece of land and owning this little piece of property where, where you have a place that's yours. Some of you have a land with a lot of acres, or it's your goal in life to acquire land with a lot of acres. And, and part of the reasoning for that is because you want to enjoy it. You want to enjoy the land. You want to enjoy and find pleasure in just being out in your land. You want to, to put animals on it and raise animals and enjoy the, 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 uh, the fruit and the vegetables that you can grow to enjoy the, the eggs that are not $8 a, a dozen that you, can, that you can go out and get. Right, you can you, you can go enjoy the animals in your land. You can hunt on the land that Cam would love. Like you can you can you can go and enjoy living on your land, uh, uh, owning land. There's a certain amount of of pleasure that people get, happiness, enjoyment that people get from their property, from their building, and from their land. And Solomon says, "All right, I am all in. Like I am building great buildings." massive palaces. I'm building vineyards and parks with trees. I'm bringing in water from the ocean, like just whole big, uh, uh, whole big ravines filled with water that I can, I can start watering all of these plants. I like guess not from the ocean, that'd be salty, but you get the point. Like he's bringing in all of these water that you can water all of these trees, like this, this big public works product project so that he could have this land and these buildings that he can enjoy. My parents, uh, a couple years ago, they they renovated their, uh, their patio behind their house to make it more livable. They added some fans. They added uh, TVs and, and, um, and space out there for furniture, they, uh, sun, sun shades. And they get a certain amount of enjoyment now about going out. They spend a lot of time outside on that patio where they enjoy just being out there. 
sitting out there, sitting outside with the sun and sitting outside where they can just enjoy being out there. There's a certain amount of enjoyment in buildings and land. And Solomon says, all right, I'm looking for it. I'm going I'm to get, if there's enjoyment in building in land, then I'm going to build the buildest, I'm going to build the biggest buildings and I'm going to get the most land and I'm going to go, I'm going to go all in. And he searched for pleasure in those things. Verse 7, the next thing that he searches for pleasure in is wealth. Verse 7, I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been in Jerusalem before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. So Solomon says, I, I look out and there's another thing, another thing that seems to give people pleasure is money, is wealth. And so I, I, Solomon said, I, I went for it. I gathered and built the greatest wealth that I could get. There's a certain amount of pleasure people get from their bank account or from their portfolio. From the, the money that they have, the, there's the satisfaction of the, the if, you're, if you have a, a wealth built up, there's the, 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 the security in that, a certain amount of enjoyment that comes from security there. There's a certain amount of enjoyment that comes from watching the stocks tick up, right, the, the wealth grow. There's a certain amount of enjoyment that you get from the things that you can buy with your wealth, the, the toys, the cars, the boats, the jet skis, the, the four-wheelers, the dirt bikes, the, the video game systems, the, the vacations and traveling that you can do. There's a certain amount of enjoyment you can get from having money. From like, There's the, the old saying that wealth doesn't buy happiness, but it buys a lot of things that people think give them happiness, right? <laughs> like you can, There's a certain amount of enjoyment and pleasure that can come from wealth. And so Solomon says... I went for it. Not only is Solomon a king, I want, I want you to know, it's not only does he have the wealth that comes with being king, notice what he says uh, in, verse, in verse 7. I had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. So Solomon's point is not only do I have the wealth of being kings, I'm the wealthiest king there's been in Jerusalem. Like not only do I have the, the, the wealth that comes with being the ruler of this, this nation, but I've, I've improved and, and grown the wealth to greater heights and greater portions than anyone has ever seen in Israel. Like by far the wealthiest human being in the country, if not in that part of the world. So he's looking. If there's pleasure to be found in wealth, Solomon's going to find it. <laughs> the next thing he looks for pleasure in is music. He says, I got singers, both men and women. People that entertain him. This could go into all kinds of entertainment, but uh, specifically music. There are people, like some of you love music. And there you get enjoyment, satisfaction. You get pleasure from music. It's listening to, to songs you love, artists you enjoy. You love going to concerts. And you love getting, you do those things because it makes you happy. You listen to those songs because they, they give you a certain amount of pleasure. Solomon says that people love music, people love entertainment, people love things that, that, that captivate them and, and captivate their, their, their minds, and so I'm going to pursue those things. He gathered singers, male and female. The last thing that he looks for pleasure in is women. He says, I had many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. This is an astounding statistic, but uh, Solomon had 300 wives and 700 concubines. Concubines were women that uh, he kept around for various reasons, but ultimately just so he could sleep with them. So if you're doing the quick math, that's a thousand women <laughs> that Solomon is intimate with. A thousand <laughs> women. Like Solomon looks at the world and says, hey, people seem to really like this sex thing. 
Like they seem to be really satisfied with this. This seems to give pleasure and enjoyment. And so <laughs> he went all in, right? A thousand women. Right? There are people in our in our world that look for enjoyment, satisfaction, and sex and pornography. They're jumping from men and women back and forth, back to, to finding someone who will give them enjoyment and pleasure and satisfaction. They're looking for pornography, something that will give them enjoyment, that they're looking for for uh looking to sexual type things to give them that pleasure, that enjoyment, that satisfaction, that happiness. And so Solomon says, all right, <laughs> I'm going to look for it. Uh, and he, he gets a thousand women, 300 wives, 700 concubines. And this is Solomon's conclusion in verse 9. I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. He says, I, I did everything the world says gives you pleasure, everything the world says gives you happiness, everything the world says gives you enjoyment. I tried what people try. I did what people look for for enjoyment, satisfaction, and pleasure, and here's what I got out of it. The second half of verse 10. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. That's not exactly where I thought Solomon would go with that. A lot of people would, would, would assume that Solomon would say, I tried it all, just keeping with the trend of the book. I tried it all. I, I, I sought pleasure in those things, but I couldn't find any real pleasure in those things. That's not what Solomon says at all. What Solomon says here in verse 10 is, I sought pleasure in those things, and you know what? I found it. There was real pleasure in those things. There's real happiness. There's real enjoyment that comes from those things. When I, when I, when I searched for, for, for pleasure and alcohol and buildings and land and wealth and music and women, when I searched for pleasure in those things, I found it. There's pleasure in those things. But look at what he says in verse 11. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil that I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind. There's nothing to be gained under the sun. So Solomon looks at all of these things that, that we look for for pleasure. He looks at this and he says, you know what? There's pleasure here. It exists. You can find it in these things. But when you take a step back and look at the pleasure you've gotten, take a step back and say, what did it gain me? The answer is absolutely nothing. What's the ultimate benefit, the ultimate gain of finding pleasure in these things? There is none. When we think about our lives, the moment that we die, we're not going to be able to take with us the pleasure we experience in this world. And whether we lived a life of full of pleasure and enjoyment and happiness, or we lived a somber, sad existence, regardless of how we lived, when we die, we will not take the pleasure with us. We will all be the same. And we don't have to wait that long to recognize how empty pleasure is. As soon as the moment of pleasure is over, as soon as, as you're done with whatever it is that was giving you excitement and satisfaction and enjoyment, as soon as that's finished and you're on the other side of it, what, where did it get you? Where did it leave you? Where, how did it benefit you ultimately? What was the gain to your life? All you're left with is the memory of something you enjoyed. It didn't add anything to you. It didn't improve your life in the long run. All it did was make a moment of your life a little bit better. 
when the bottle is empty, when you sober up, when you come down from your high, when you have to sell the building that you had or the land that you loved, when, you, when, you ha- when, you, when the stocks go down, when, you're, uh, when, when, you're, when the music stops, when your sexual encounter is over, when you're on the other side of the thing that gave you pleasure, what is the benefit? What is the good that you gained? How did it make your life ultimately better, if we're honest? Recognize that it didn't add anything. It didn't leave a lasting improvement on your life. It didn't fix anything that was broken. It didn't heal anything that was hurt. All it did was paint over your life, and that moment was something better. And now you're left with just a memory of something that was good. So Solomon takes a step back, and he says, Vanity of vanities. It is all vanity. There's nothing to be gained under the sun. There is real pleasure in the things that we do. There's real pleasure to be found on earth, but we take a step back, we'll see that it's empty. Again, Solomon is depressing. But we can go on to this eternal perspective. If you make, uh, if you make finding pleasure your goal, you will succeed in finding pleasure and nothing more. But if you make knowing God your goal, you'll also experience greater pleasure than anything you can find in the world. There are two things I want us to see with this eternal perspective. As we, as we kind of lift our eyes up and look at the rest of Scripture, I want us to, to notice two things. Number one, your greatest pleasure comes from knowing God. The greatest source of pleasure for you possible is to know God, to have a, a relationship with him, to enjoy him. The, the Westminster Shorter Catechism says that human beings, we exist, our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I'm going to get theological here for a second, um, but not that the rest of it wasn't theological, but we're going to get uh, the Trinity. God ha- we believe in the Trinity, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that God has always eternally existed as three persons in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And for all of eternity, long before the creation of the world, they have always loved each other and they have always enjoyed each other. Right? That has always been part of their reality, always been part of their existence. For all of eternity, the Trinity has loved each other and enjoyed each other. Which means that when God created the world, when, when the Trinity exploded their nature onto the canvas of creation, and they created a world in, in, a, in alignment with who they are and what they're like, love and enjoyment, love and pleasure are part of the basic reality of nature. They're part of the very fabric of reality. They have always existed. They're not something that just came into being. They're a part of who God is, love and pleasure and enjoyment. Those are part of who God is. And so when God made us as human beings, he made us to experience the enjoyment that they already experienced together. He made us to experience the the enjoyment that comes from knowing God that the Trinity already experiences among itself. So we were designed to experience and enjoy God, and we are designed to enjoy him for all of eternity. It's because of our sin that we have broken our relationship with God. We've rejected him as the source of enjoyment. We have rejected him as the source of pleasure, and we have sought ultimate pleasure in the things of the world. And when we take a step back, we'll recognize that nothing in the world will give us the pleasure we're ultimately seeking. Nothing in this world lasts Nothing in this world will give us eternal, lasting fulfillment and pleasure. The the pleasure that we were designed to have in our relationship with God. Stop looking to the things of the world to give you that pleasure. 
and recognize that, that our greatest pleasure comes from knowing God. You can have a restored relationship with God and experience the pleasure of enjoying him, knowing him. God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for you, to rise again from the grave so that you could be forgiven of your sins, have your relationship with him stored, and once again, you could enjoy God. You can experience the joy and the peace and the love that he wants to pour out on you. This is not some pithy saying that our greatest pleasure comes from knowing God. This is an eternal reality that you will find no better pleasure in this life or in eternity than knowing God and enjoying him. If you enjoy anything else in the world, you'll enjoy God more and above all else because he's the creator, he is the maker, he's the one who you were designed to enjoy. Knowing God is the source of our greatest pleasure. Second reality is this. All earthly pleasure is a gift from God. Pleasure is real. You can, you can enjoy things on this life, but recognize that God has given us things to enjoy. It's because God is a God who, who finds enjoyment and love and satisfaction. It's because God loves us and cares for us that he created a world that we can enjoy. He created a world where happiness and love exist, right? He could have created any world he wanted, but he created a world where happiness and joy and love exist, where we can find pleasure. And we are, to, we are to, uh, to experience those things, to find pleasure in the world in a way that glorifies and honors God. We are so used to pastors, uh, for, for, for decades and for centuries, we are so used to pastors saying, all pleasure is bad, right? We're used to, to, to pastors saying, dancing, bad. Cards, bad. <laughs> Gambling, bad. You know, uh, drinks, bad. Like, fishing, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> you know, but we're, we're, used to, we're used to pastors saying all sources of pleasure are bad. Buildings, material wealth, uh, uh, money, bad. Uh, sex, bad. We're used to these things that rock and roll and, and these things, bad. Any source potential of pleasure in the world, we're used to preachers saying it's all bad. Ignore it all. Do not find pleasure in anything on the planet. The, one of my favorite lines about Puritans, the old, uh, the old Christians, my favorite line uh, about Puritans is that Puritanism is the haunting feeling that someone somewhere may be having fun. Right, like it's, and that's the Christianity that so many of us are used to as preachers saying, don't enjoy the world, do not find pleasure in the world. But the reality is that pleasure is real and it is a gift of God to you. Find pleasure, but enjoy it. We are meant to enjoy those things in a way that glorifies God. It's not that we aren't to find pleasure in the world, it's, the way, it's that we are to find that pleasure in a way that glorifies God because that aligns with the ultimate pleasure of knowing God and enjoying him. Some of you, this may be a, a controversial example. You may disagree with my take on alcohol, and that's okay. Um, but I, I think it's really hard to make a good biblical case that, that all alcohol is sin and all alcohol is bad. Uh, th there, there are some of you that enjoy a good glass of wine or a good, uh, a good beer or a good uh, drink of another kind. Some of you enjoy that. You get pleasure from that. The Bible is very clear not to become drunk. The Bible is very clear not to engage in, in drugs that will uh, uh, alter your mental state. And the, the reasoning behind that is because those things do not glorify God. You cannot glorify God while you're out of your mind. 
right? You cannot glorify God when you're not in control of yourself. And so you avoid these things because they don't glorify God, but you can enjoy and find pleasure in, in, in a good drink if you do it in a way that glorifies the Lord. Some of you love to travel, and you have, uh, you, you have a goal to retire and travel, or you are retired and you want to travel, and you love that. Uh, great. Travel and enjoy the world in a way that glorifies the Lord. If your ultimate dream vacation is to go to South America and participate in some ritual with a shaman and ayahuasca, then, that, then that's not going to be thing, something that glorifies God, right? So change your plan. <laughs> that is not uh, finding pleasure in a way that's going to glorify God. But if you want to travel the world, you want to enjoy your time, you want to you you vacation and find pleasure in your travels, do that in a way that glorifies the Lord. Find pleasure and enjoy the things that God has given you as a gift, recognizing that God loved us enough and cares about us enough and, and, and enjoy, wants us to enjoy him enough that he's given us things to find pleasure in in the world as a gift from him. You can enjoy those things, but do it in a way that glorifies him, recognizing that ultimately none of those things are going to be your ultimate pleasure. None of those things are going to fill you up for all of eternity. The ultimate pleasure is knowing God and having a relationship with him. So stop trying to find your ultimate pleasure in the things of the world and enjoy the things God has given you in a way that glorifies him, seeking him and seeking to know him above all else. This morning, some of you have never in entered into a relationship with God. You are still separated from God and you are still looking ultimately for pleasure and enjoyment and satisfaction in the things of the world and you're coming up empty. You have to keep running back to the things you're looking to. You have to keep going back to them in greater portions because they're not doing what they used to do. And you, you want to find pleasure and satisfaction and enjoyment of the things of the world because you're looking for something to fill you up. You're looking for the enjoyment that can only come with a relationship with God. So this morning, the good news is that you can find that enjoyment and that pleasure from God. If you will set, you will set aside your sin, if you will repent of your sin, and you will trust in Jesus for forgiveness. If you will turn to Christ to restore your relationship with God so that you can glorify him and enjoy him forever. This morning, if that's you, you've never placed your faith in Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So in just a second, I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing. And while we sing, I'm going to be standing right here. If you want to place your faith in Jesus for the very first time, I'd love for you to come up here. I'd love to pray with you and talk with you after the service about what it means to follow Christ. If you don't want to come up here, that's fine. Well, if people, uh, you, can, you can grab me after the service. Grab me, you know, just don't leave here without placing your faith in Jesus, without knowing the enjoyment, the, the, the pleasure, the happiness that, that comes from Christ. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you that ultimately our, our, we are designed to experience the, the pleasure and enjoyment and happiness of knowing you, of having a relationship with you. And God, thank you that, that we will experience that, that joy, that happiness for all of eternity in unending and infinite portions. God, I pray for us today as the, as the world tempts us with brokenness and sin as, as it threatens to, to, to tell us that there are things that we can, we can find satisfaction in that aren't you. God, I pray that we will, we will abandon those things and we will look to you. We will seek you. We will seek to know you and follow you and find our enjoyment and pleasure in you. And God, I pray that we will enjoy your gifts 
not as the ultimate end, not as if we have found something that will give us life, but we will enjoy your gifts, recognizing that that's what they are. They are gifts from you. And we will enjoy them in a way that glorifies you. Father, I pray for the people here who do not know you, who have never entered in a relationship with you, God, so they do not know the enjoyment and the peace and the, the pleasure and the happiness that comes from knowing you, and they will not know that forever. Father, I pray that, that this morning would be the morning that they come to know you, that they experience that joy and peace today, and that they will experience that in greater portion forever with the rest of us. Father, I pray they would move this morning, that you would move them to, to, to pull me aside, God, to place their faith in you. Father, we love you and praise you. It's in the precious holy name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.